Well, I think by now you know that I'm not Robin Hinkle. <laughs> I'm a little bit shorter and my hair is shorter, so uh, we're a little bit different. Now, Robin, as you know by now, I hope, and you have had her in your prayers, she uh, was diagnosed with COVID, and uh, today would have been the first day out of isolation, so uh, we thought it'd be better if she took an extra day away from work. After the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem and the temple, they were taken into exile. And if you look at the word exile in the dictionary, you have about eight different definitions. This exile <clears throat> took them into a foreign land, forced political, religious, and cultural exile. They were not liked by their captors, and they were forced to live in a foreign land with all the things that come with that, foreign language, foreign food, foreign customs, foreign ways of doing things. There are exiles, and then there are exiles. In 1960, I was exiled to the United States as a young boy because of the communist regime in Cuba. We were in danger, so we came to the United States. My political exile at that time was not like the Hebrew diaspora, the Hebrew exile. We were received quite well. We were welcome. We were integrated. We were supported by the general population and by the government. For you see, there was one common enemy, communism. And the United States understood that communism was not a good thing. And being oppressed under that regime, we were given the opportunity to be free in this great country. Now, one of the phenomenons that occurs when you are exiled is that you begin to adopt, assimilate, aspirate different ways from what you knew when you were born and brought up. So you begin to adopt a new way of life, the way of life you're exposed to and the one in which you live. And this phenomenon, as it applied to the Cuban exile, was wonderfully compiled and put into words in the book called Learning to Die in Miami by Carlos Erie. Learning to Die in Miami reminded me of the things that we were exposed to that we began to accept, to assimilate, to live into, to support, even though we had not done that in our country. So as I read it the first time, I said, did I really do that? And I kept on asking that question, did I really do that? Did I really do that? To which I answered many, many times, yes. I was learning to die to my old ways as I learned new ones. And now just because you learn a new way does not mean it's good. 
Remember that. There's a lot of bad teaching in a lot of places. But we were taught things that were very much reminded me of that experience as I read Isaiah for today. Isaiah is writing to people who, as I said to you, were in this forced exile. And their behaviors, like ours did in Miami, began to change. And they began to do things that were really not acceptable as far as their tradition and their religion. And he addresses them because to him, they had violated their agreement with God. And the three things he throws out at the beginning is, number one, you're wagging your finger at people. Now, what happens when somebody does that to you? You're being accused of something. So stop wagging your finger. Stop accusing people. You don't do that. You're a community together. Don't insult people. Don't speak evil of them. No name-calling, no lying. And we've been exposed to a lot of that lately. And when you do not share your food with the hungry, you're again violating what God has taught you, and that is feed the poor and care for them. Do not hoard all your goods. Now, those are pretty strong words from prophet. These were not expected behaviors on the part of the Jews. But with years of exile under your belly, what happens? You start doing those things. We did them. So it's up to Isaiah to name them and give them people, give people alternatives. Now, Isaiah uses a very um, understood, acceptable, and popular prophetic formula. It's three points, like a three-point sermon. This is what you're doing. This is what you need to change. And when you do that, this is the recompense. This is the gift. This is the good stuff that comes your way. Now, how many of us, as we have raised children, have done the same thing? This is what you're doing. You need to do this thing differently, and we're going to be happy. What happens when you stop wiggling your finger? When you give food to the hungry, you satisfy the needs of the afflicted. Number one, your light will shine in the darkness. And your worst, gloomiest day would be as bright as midday. But then that's not enough. He has to re talk about something that is very poignant to them, and that is keeping the Sabbath holy. Some of us remember, or old enough to remember, that on Sundays, a lot of stores did not open because that was supposed to be the Lord's day. And then things happened, and then stores became open, and they stayed open longer, and this and that and the other. So for us, even the Sabbath, the Sabbath, which is Saturday, we don't keep it holy. We do set time aside to come to church on Sundays. 
that to us is our tradition. And thank you for being here. You bless us with your presence. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interest on the day of the Lord, what will happen? You shall take delight in the Lord. I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. Again, one, two, three. In Miami, us exiled Cubans learned new ways that many times were not compatible with our family upbringing, culture, and religion. Oh boy, do I remember this. What a shock. I was invited to a pool party, boys and girls. No chaperones. See, in Cuba, it was very simple. If you wanted to take a girl out, you asked permission of the father. Da -da -da <laughs> you get that done. And then you go to mom and you ask if that is okay that day or that night or whatever so she can go with you. And not only you have to have money to pay for the taxi, because you can't drive in Cuba until you're 21, and you have to pay for food or entry to the movie or whatever for two people, three people, including yourself. Okay, so it's a very expensive kind of thing. <laughs> so I'm invited to this party, expecting when the door opens to be received by the family, but there's no family there, there are no adults. Shock shock because how do you behave on a date without a chaperone a new thing we learned we learned to die in miami to new things although over and over again we were reminded of our discipleship under jesus we've been talking about discipleship at saint michael's for a while now and i hope it continues to sink in we are disciples and that means that we're under a discipline. And it's a simple discipline under the law of love, the law of Christ. And when we do that, new things begin to happen. God begins to do new things with us. I see the same thing happening here that happened to me. We're learning to die to old ways, to die to sinful ways to die to ways in which you take advantage of other people. And we increase our love for those. Our mission and outreach is booming. We're very, very lucky, very blessed with our resources. We don't hoard them, we share them. That is what we're called to do. We were reminded of our discipleship as we're reminded from discipleship from different pulpits in this church, our parents, our grandparents, and our Sunday clergy in Miami reminded us of our ancestry, of our upbringing, and our discipleship to Christ. So, by extension, I will re-quote Isaiah and say this to all of us, because simply because we're wearing a collar does not mean we're sons' sinfulness. 
Let us take inventory of who we are and what we are doing and what we are not. And let us return to the ways of Jesus. And I'll tell you why. One simple reason. Because God is doing a new thing. And we need to be open to it. He is the God of love, not a God of punishment. And when we open ourselves to him, great things happen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.